Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of She Well Read. I'm your host, Alana, here with Samra and our special uh, guest, Brittany, from, if you don't know her from TikTok, she, you know, <laughs> is awesome, is an awesome person, and I don't want to talk too much about her because I feel like she tells her story and about herself, like, so beautifully, so I'm going to give you the floor. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Brittany. I live here in Birmingham, Alabama, and I am an emergency foster parent uh, here in Jefferson County, And which means I take kids who are either just being removed from their home initially and put into foster care, or they're in some kind of transition, whether that be between foster homes, um, if they're headed to a group home or other therapeutic facility, um, I'm kind of their, their stopping point um, in between those changes. Um, and it kind of happened magically. I'm licensed for a lot of different ages, but uh, teen girls is a huge need in our area. And so uh, about 90% of the kids that I foster um, are preteen or teenage girls, uh, just because that's such a huge um, thing in our, in our community. And I, I started this TikTok, honestly, just to convince other people to consider teenagers when they're fostering. And I made it in the first place for foster parents to try to talk about what I do. And then it just kind of exploded from there. And I didn't realize how many people were interested in foster care, interested in emergency foster care, wanting to know more about what I do. And honestly, just this outpouring of support for these girls. And so I've been beyond shocked at how many people have liked and followed and commented and all of those things. And I love getting to hear from so many different people who are involved in foster care, but um, that's, that's really my story in a nutshell. And that's, that's what I'm passionate about is foster care and apparently now TikTok. Yeah. So, cause the way that I personally found Brittany was through TikTok. Cause y'all know, I've been talking about it this season. I'm obsessed with TikTok. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I was scrolling through my for you page and I was like, Oh, like, this is awesome. I think it was the video where you were talking about, um, how you set up when, whenever a child comes to you for the first night, their welcome basket and all the things that go into that and kind of a day in the life in a sense like when they come to me this is what happens and then we go and eat at Shake Shack which is how I figured out that Brittany was in Birmingham because I was like I know that Shake Shack um and then all of those things and then I just kind of went into a deep dive black hole into all of your videos so I've probably seen every single one of them at this point <laughs> um I'm in love with what you do and I love how you said that it's to raise awareness to get people either interested in fostering or just, you know, learning more about fostering because um, I've actually, since I was a young age, it started off as I don't like needles, but I know I want to have kids one day, but I know that requires a lot of needles. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just going to adopt kids. I used to say that when I was younger all the time. My mom was like, yeah, I used to run around saying, yeah, I'm going to adopt all these babies. Um, and then it progressively, just as I got older, like, I got a little less afraid of needles and birth and all of that. And I still want to have kids, but, <laughs> but I still have this dream of um, adopting a child. And so when your videos came on my page, I had no idea that it was even an option to adopt a foster child. Um, so that was something like mind blowing for me personally. And just the way you storytell and the way that you, you know, give the information, it's just so beautiful and really easy to understand. So that's something that I really appreciated personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It just, I, I mean, I try to, 
I assume that people know the things we all do, right? We assume everybody knows the things that we know. And then when you introduce a new concept to somebody and they're like, I didn't know that. I assumed everybody knew about heart galleries and about adopt us kids, because I feel like that's been such a part of my foster journey. And I knew about that page for, you know, a really long time, but not knowing that there are, you know, tens of thousands of kids waiting to be adopted in the United States right now who, um, you know, are considered difficult to place because they're older or they're part of a sibling group or they're uh, minorities. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of reasons that these kids, you know, are needed for families, but you know, it's, it's an incredible thing to see so many people not, not even know about that and actually go look it up in their community and say, oh my goodness, there are kids in, in my community that are looking for families and they're completely, you know, ready to go home um, tomorrow. And I love getting to introduce that concept to people. Yeah, because like I said, I had no idea. Um, and then I really loved how you explained it. I don't want to explain it because you did such a great job of like what foster care actually is. Like it's not right. supposed to be permanent. It's supposed to be temporary. So if you could go into a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people can confuse foster care and adoption. And it's easy to do because a lot of, you know, you know, foster care does sometimes lead to adoption. But in general, foster care is designed to offer the child temporary refuge in another person's home while their parents are able to work out what they need to work out. Children are removed for really three main reasons, and that's uh, neglect, abuse, or just inability to parent. Maybe that you know parent passed away, maybe they're sick and unable to take care of their child, but that's you know sometimes why a child's placed in care. Um, but a lot of these kids are, are placed in care while their parents are working out. Sometimes that's drug addiction issues, it's mental health issues. And then you've got your, your poverty related reasons, which are housing and transportation and jobs and the kind of things that you know you need to care for a child. And so those kids are put into care with the intention that that gives the parent the opportunity to work on what they need to work on and get their kids back. The ultimate goal of foster care is always reunification. We know scientifically that kids do better when they are with their biological parents, if those parents are healthy and, and able to care for them. We are biologically programmed to love the people who share blood with us. Um, and so that's really what fostering does is we love kids until they can go home. Um, only about 50% of kids end up going back to their parent or primary caretaker. Um, a certain percentage of kids do go to relatives. So some kids end up with their grandparents or their aunts and you know uncles and things like that. And then there's the percentage of kids that um, don't have a biological family member able to take them. And so they end up being available for adoption from foster care. And often they're adopted by their foster parents or they're um, put on sites like, you know, Adopt US Kids or Heart Gallery in order to find their families. So though some foster care does end in adoption, that's not my primary goal. I know a lot of people on TikTok have asked me, are you considering adopting any of the girls that you have? And my main answer is no, because they're not available for adoption. They have families um, and their, their families are working out what they need to work out so they can get their, their kids home. Um, and that's my ultimate goal. And that's the goal of most foster parents is you foster the child, but you also foster the family and you really support the family and you want to fight for them because this child deserves to have, you know, a life with their parents. And so part of foster care is really loving the entire family and supporting them and cheering them on 
um, to get through what they need to get through so they can be whole again. I think that that's so um, fantastic that you're raising awareness, especially within the, you know, Birmingham area and surrounding areas, because um, I didn't know that that teenage girls were, were, I guess, people that needed the most um, attention within the foster um, system. Um, so, you know, like the more you know, and I definitely would love to foster in the future. Um, so making it accessible to young people so we can start, you know, the mm -hmm. seeds being planted so we can start to kind of think about, you know, everything that goes into that, because I can imagine that you would want, well, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I can see how if me being someone who like wants to foster one day, I would want like my life to be kind of like together, just, together. Right. <laughs> and I wonder if that hinders hinders people from ever you know getting to the point where they start fostering because oftentimes there's never like a right time or will your life ever be together when you think about it um is there anything you have to say for people who want to do it want to foster a child but aren't sure if they're ready for something like that yeah I you know it is a big commitment and I did not get into fostering until I moved here because I was able to afford a two bedroom. I lived in Washington, DC, where I lived in a studio apartment and was paying crazy amounts of rent. And I was like, there's no way I could ever afford a place here um, with a child. And so I did have to wait until I was able to find a place that had a second bedroom. And I felt like I was able to dedicate the time and, and resources necessary because even though foster parents do get a stipend to take care of the kids, but I'm telling you, I, it, it barely covers maybe half of the things you may need for a child because, you know, your water bill goes up, your electricity bill goes up, your groceries, your, you know, you get them clothes and things like that. So I would definitely say that it, it is important to be able to provide and be in a stable place in your life. There is no perfect time. There, there is never a perfect time. Even if you have a biological child, no one's ever going to say, I have all the money, time, resources and my mental space is ready to complete be completely selfish you know selfless with a another human being we're never going to do that if that were the case no one would ever have kids or get married or fall in love or any of that because we would just never have ourselves together enough for that so <laughs> there's no there's no perfect timing for any major life event um, but I will say I kind of stepped into it I am not a jump in the swimming pool kind of girl I'm a toes feet, you know, knees kind of girl into the swimming pool. So I actually started out um, as a CASA, which is a court appointed special advocate. Um, and it's a program in most states, I think it's, it's nearing all 50 states at this point. But it allows one volunteer to be assigned one child in foster care. And you're assigned as that child's advocate. So you get to know the child, you spend time with them, you get to know their family, you get to know their schools, you get to know everything that happens in their life. And then you make recommendations to the judge who's in charge of their case. And sometimes those recommendations are, hey, I think my child needs more quality time with her siblings because they were split up in foster homes and sibling relationships are important. And so I think that they need to have a relationship. 
or, you know, in my case, I had an incredible 13 year old assigned to me who is absolutely brilliant. She was with me for three years. I was her advocate for three years. And I remember one, she was in like all AP and honors classes, brilliant kid. And I noticed like her English grade was slipping. And I was like, you love reading and writing. Like, how is this slipping? And she goes, well, it's just hard to submit my papers on my phone. I said, you're doing what? She said, I'm submitting my papers on my phone because I have to type them in on my phone because I don't have a computer. So she was like writing her essays on her phone and submitting them on her phone instead of being able to type them out on a laptop and edit them and all that sort of stuff. And so I was able to actually advocate to get this kid a laptop because she's a straight A student and deserves, you know, the resources to do whatever she needs to do. Um, so that was really my introduction to foster care. You really get to learn the system. You get to learn um, the different players in it. And you also get to make a real difference in the life of a child. So programs like CASA, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, other mentorship programs, that is a great way to get an introduction. Even if you're not together, you don't have your whole life in order, you can still play a role. And these kids desperately need a whole village of people around them to support them. Um, my CASA child that I got when she was 13 is actually graduating uh, from high school next month. She is headed to college. She's gonna study forensic chemistry. She is this brilliant, beautiful, amazing kid who is going to go and do big things in her life. And so being able to be a small part of that for three years is absolutely worth it. Right. Wow. I, I can't imagine how rewarding that is. I cannot imagine. <laughs> for sure. It's like seeing all of it come into fruition for this person that, you know, you got them maybe not in the, or you met them not maybe in the best circumstances, but you've been able to see them blossom and grow into this person that you knew all along that they could be. Um, I bet that's super rewarding. Um, speaking yeah. of rewarding, what has been your favorite part of what you do? I think the the best part of foster care is really seeing the the beautiful things that grow from the ashes. I mean, I get, I often get kids on the worst nights of their life. They've been removed from their parents and everything they've ever known. They've been dropped off at a stranger's house and have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. They have no idea. Are they going home? Do I get to talk to my grandma? Do I go to school tomorrow? They're, they're just completely left in the dark. And so I see so often these kids in the worst moment of their lives and being able to offer just some amount of comfort or listening or, you know, whether it's just sitting on the floor and crying and whatever needs to be done in that moment, you have these really beautiful human moments with another amazing human that is just, you know, we, we get those moments in life and sometimes we have to be reminded to just sit in those moments and be a human with somebody else, not try to fix it, not try to you know, because I'm not gonna be able to fix foster care overnight. I'm not gonna be able to fix what this child's going through, but I can be in this moment with her. Um, and that honestly is my favorite part is feeling like I can offer them something in the midst of the chaos and that you give them some kind of stability for even just one night to hold on to and say, okay, this is gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. Um, and, and that part is just beautiful. Um, in, in the midst of the ugliness that 
that a lot of foster care is, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I wanted to ask, because I've kind of seen foster, fostering, foster kids in the media a little bit more as of late um, with shows like The Fosters, I remember on ABC Family <laughs> and Shameless, which I believe was on um, HBO. Is it? I think I don't know. Showtime? Showtime. Showtime. Right, right. And I really enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed both shows. I remember watching more of Shameless, um, but that goes a little bit into like a little bit of the foster system and what happens when there is no legal guardian for these children. Um, do you think that seeing foster kids in the media um, is helping raise awareness um, or do you think that it's actually hurting or hindering the movement in a way because of certain misconceptions that are being um, perpetuated by said media? Yeah, I think it depends on the show or the movie. It really does. And there, there are pieces of it that I think is done, that are done really well. And there are other parts you know, I always say, like, I love The Blind Side as a movie. It's a feel-good movie. It's great. It's a terrible representation of what foster care and caring for those who are, are vulnerable is. Um, that movie has, yeah. a, has a savior complex. Yeah. You have this kid who, you know, turns out to be this NFL football player and everything just turns out perfect in his life which we now know is, is not the case in, in even his story. And he's come out mm -hmm. and talked about that. And, you know, that you think you just have this rich family that takes in this poor kid and the kid is grateful and happy and melds right into the family and everything's perfect. No, it's not like that at all. You know, a lot of people have asked me, do the kids like ever tell you thank you? And I always say, thank you for what? For being removed from their home and like fed Bye. and- being a decent, a, a decent human right. being. <laughs> I don't really, I mean, I had, I had a kid last week and it, it kind of broke my heart. She, she, we were driving to school and she said, you know, you're like one of the good foster homes. She's like, they should, they should give you a raise. And I remember looking at her, I said, baby, you don't, you don't need a raise for doing what you're supposed to do and treating people like humans that's that's not something that is raise worthy that's not something that's gratitude worthy that's what we that's the that's the bare minimum that we should be expecting of each other honestly as humans we should just expect the bare minimum and so movies like the blind side frustrate me and people think that that's what fostering teenagers is like and it's not um there's a lot of trauma and pain and hurt that goes with that um i will say one movie that I thought did a really good job was Instant Family with uh, Mark Wahlberg. They actually got a lot of it right. They got a lot of the, you know, oh, it's so sweet and great, but yeah, the kids still have behaviors and yeah, they still miss their mom and no, they don't necessarily want to be adopted by you. And, you know, all the things that the movie does actually really well with the complicated emotions of foster care and adoption. Um, adoption is trauma. It just is. It doesn't matter whether you're removed at birth or whether you're adopted at 18, you're denied the access to your biological family forever. 
and you're now given to another family that you don't share blood with. And, you know, it's, it's a traumatic thing. And a lot of adoptees are starting to come out more and more and talk about how we need to do adoption differently because um, it's just, it's not some, again, it's not this savior complex. They're not going to be grateful to you one day. They're not all going to be NFL players and make millions of dollars. You're going to struggle with a lot of things that I think Hollywood goes for the feel good without a lot of the, the other parts of it. It's not always beautiful and easy and you don't always, you know, get that sweet thank you moment. And I mean, that stuff doesn't necessarily happen. Right, right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something that I was kind of dealing with when I really started, you know, once I got older, truly thinking about my options to be a foster parent, be an emergency foster parent, be an advocate, or actually adopting like my main goal is, was because I've had trauma in my life growing up and I didn't want to reflect that on the child or like you said, the savior complex of, you know, I went through something um, and now I want to help somebody else go during their time of need. And it's something that I talked about in therapy because I was like, I truly don't want this to be something where it's like, oh, like you're doing this to make yourself feel better or like just make yourself feel good. Like it's about the child at the end of the day and, and the person that you're impacting in their life. And so my therapist really broke it down to me. She's like, no, I don't like for you. I, that's not that's not what you're doing this for. I know you like that's not where your heart is in it. Your heart is in the the part of changing someone else's life because you've been through things. And so you can kind of understand and relate, but you won't be reflecting that on that person. Um, mm-hmm. And another reason I'm in therapy so that I don't do that with children that I foster or children that I adopt or my own biological children. Um, it's just making myself a better person before I can go and help others in that sense. Absolutely. I mean, I think every parent, regardless of how your children come to you, need to work out whatever trauma or issues or barriers that you have that you think a child will fix um, because they will not, no matter how they come about, they will not fix the marriage. They will not fix an emptiness. They will not fix um, any, anything else that, that you yourself have to address. And so I think that's always important, no matter how you come about becoming a parent, you've, you've got to go to therapy. You've got to address the issues that, that you think is going to be, like I said, that you think are going to be fixed because they're not going to be fixed for the baby. Baby doesn't fix any, or child in general doesn't fix anything in you. Um, it, it only should be, should just make it better. Right, right. Wow. I mean, you said it, you really said it. And um, I think about so much, we all of course have trauma and baggage, but you know, I've been saying <laughs> you need to pass a test in order to be a parent. And I still think that's true. I don't think that we should just be able to have kids so easily. Like it's a little too easy, but that's another discussion. Um, yeah. That's kind of like the dark side of the foster care system. We were, <laughs> we were mentioning earlier, like I was kind of talking to my family the other day about there's even, um, I think it was it was a movie called Hotel for Dogs and those kids were in the foster care system and their foster parents like they were just using them for a check just for their stipend that they got every month like they didn't actually do it 
to be good people. Um, and, and that even at an early age, that movie came out years ago. And I was like, how do these people even become foster parents in the first place? Like who let this happen? And then in the movie, you see how they would turn into these people that they're not whenever the social worker would come around or they would have to go to court. And then once all of those people leave, they were a totally different person. So it's almost like, how can you tell in a sense? Like, how do you know well, people's I true feel intentions? Like- yeah, I feel like to become a foster parent, you go through a lot. And, and part of me, you know, people are like, there are people that are just in it for money. And I was like, this was a lot of work for not a lot of money because you, I mean, it's nine or 10 months of work to become a foster parent. It's classes, it's background checks, it's fingerprints, it's home studies. It's, um, they delve really deep into your personal life. There is nothing off limits. They do talk about your own childhood trauma. They do want to hear about any time that you've gone through something and how that may impact the child. So it is definitely like a, a laying out of your, you I mean, you open up your home, you open up your, you know, your past, your traumas, your history, everything like that. So I don't, I don't know why anyone would want to go through that for money, but um, I know that there, there are some, but I think, I mean, I, I know a lot of foster parents and there are a lot of really good ones that really want to do great things and really serve families. And so we always need more good ones. I mean, the only way to combat the, the negative side of this is to infuse more really great foster parents into this. Um, and, and they're out there. They're, they're definitely out there. Yeah, for That's sure. A good point. That is such a great point. Um, right. And honestly, I really was talking more about like just biological parents versus right. foster parents. Um, because I know how hard it is to become a foster parent, but it's a little too easy to become a biological <laughs> parent. And I think that's right. where it comes. You don't have to go through a background check to become a biological parent. You don't have to go through a home study. You don't have to go to therapy and unpack your trauma to become a biological parent. It's true. It's true. Right. So it's like a whole thing, <laughs> like you're saying, pretty much. Like, yeah. So um, true. But I, was, I oh, had one other question. I just wanted to ask, well, maybe two questions. First, is there an age limit? Like, do you have to be of a certain age to become a foster parent? Um, and then my other question was, are there any communities in Birmingham that you look to for support? Um, and is there anywhere that, you know, that are our listeners could go to potentially for support as well. Yeah, so most states require the age of 21 um, as a minimum, just because a lot of things happen at 21 and a lot of legal things happen that allow you to, to be a parent. Um, but that's that's really the minimum. And they, they try to make sure that there's like a gap between the ages. So a 21-year-old preferably wouldn't be parenting like an 18-year-old. Uh, might be kind of difficult uh, to be a parental role, uh, but uh, there definitely isn't a minimum. I mean, I, there are plenty of 25-year-old foster parents fostering 16, 17-year-olds and doing a fabulous job at it. It just is about, you know, establishing your, you know, your role and, and helping guide them into adulthood. Um, and as for communities, I mean, luckily, Birmingham, Alabama has a really robust and amazing foster care community. Um, we have, you know, various groups. I'm on the board of an organization called Garrett's Place. It's a local foster closet. Um, it's founded by this saint of a woman 
who um, is is who dreams so big and she's incredible. Um, her name is Paula, and she uh, put together this idea of having a place where foster kids could come and shop for free because often they come to you with no clothes or really you know rough clothes and they come and shop for clothes and toys and shoes and other necessities and um the next step that we're opening this summer is actually going to be a thrift store that's attached to garrett's place but it will employ girls aging out of foster care um so that's who we're going to employ it's going to be a you know great starting wage and um have like the support that they need uh to help them you know go from that job to any other job that they want and we've got a lot bigger dreams that, that we, you know, want to come, you know, want to have in this, in this community. But we realized really quickly that it's one thing to, you know, clothe a child that's in care. It's another to make sure that when they age out, that they are taken care of too. So we're doing a lot of work at Garrett's Place around making sure that kids who age out have options. So we've partnered with local businesses that are willing to hire um, kids who are aging out of care and understand uh, the various challenges that they may go through because if you don't have a support system it's hard to get transportation and you know it's hard to have somebody you know cheer you on and so there are a lot of amazing companies that have stepped up and offered jobs and offered support to these kids and that's another part of Garrett's place that we're going to continue to work with apprenticeship programs and companies and things like that to help these kids get employed and find a community, find a connection of community. Um, so that is one of my favorite organizations in this area. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Right. I, I had never heard of Garrett's Place like until now it's like the more you know the more you know connect yourself with different people the more you find out and that's kind of something we've always talked about like that we love about Birmingham we're always finding about these new things in the community that we can help and get involved in because I'm actually a low-key extreme couponer so I've got like stockpiles of stuff and I'm always looking for places to like donate it to because I do it for fun so yeah one of the things that Garrett's Place does one of the things that you know is kind of extra is we do work closely with dhr and we get we talk to them often about what's happening and what kids need you know we'll have a kid somebody call and be like this kid really needs a bike or this kid really needs you know sponsorship for football camp and we work with the community to get you know to rally those resources but one of the things you talk about extreme couponing one of the things we also do is help kids who are aging out and moving into their first apartments Um, So we put together like care packages with cleaning supplies and kind of the basic necessities that you may need moving into your first apartment and help them also get furniture donated and things like that. So it's really, it's really that community feeling is being like, this is our kid, right? This is our kid that has, you know, aged out, but she's getting on her feet or he's getting on his feet and getting a job and getting an apartment and starting a life. And we want to be their parents as the community, we want to be their parents and we're going to support them. We're going to make sure they've got what they need to, to succeed. Um, And that's one of the reasons I love, I love being on the board at Garrett's and I love working with them because they just have a passion for every aspect of foster care. Right. It takes a village. Literally. Literally. That's so amazing. Well, thank you, Brittany, so much for coming on our show. I know we did this really quickly. We kind of set it all up. I was like, hey, let's do this thing and let's see if she's interested. Um, but because we really, I, when I dug deeper, I realized this is foster care awareness month. So I was like, it is perfect fit. 
Um, so we definitely want to stay connected with you, especially because you're here in the Birmingham area and different ways that we can get involved ourselves, our community can get involved um, and just, you know, make some good in this world. Yeah, so. we are actually, you know, TikTok is amazing because we've, um, I've got my, my dining room is full of donations from TikTok followers who donated enough items to make 200 care packages for girls in foster care. So That's we're putting amazing. together these packages, taking them to group homes and foster homes and things like that. So we have a packing party happening next week. So I'll send you the information uh, if you guys are interested in putting together these little packages for girls in foster care. But it's stuff like that that reminds me of the good in the world and the good that can come from an app that most people just go on and watch funny videos or people dancing. Sometimes amazing things can happen from that too. Right, right, exactly. Well, you're thank using you. social media for good. Yes, for good. <laughs> Absolutely. But before our time runs out, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show. And like I said, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks so much, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SheWellRead to stay in the loop. Also, be sure to send us listener letters, fan mail, or PR to our new P.O. Box, 1725 Gardendale, Alabama, 35071. And remember, if you have anything to add, comment, suggest, feedback, send it all to shewellreadqa at gmail.com or post about it in our Facebook group. And for any business inquiries or collabs, send us an email to shewellread at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe, download, and leave a review for today's episode. We love you and stay well read. Bye! Bye.